Welcome to On the Up and Up. I'm your host, Kira LaForgia, and every week I'm bringing you behind the scenes of running a successful business. Join me while we laugh, learn, and connect on mostly HR inappropriate topics with successful founders, diverse leaders, and kick-ass employees. It's true, your HR lady may have fired your bestie or made you sign a love contract, but we also have all the hot gossip that will make you better at your job. Whether you're on your way up the corporate ladder, are a fellow HR villain, or are building a culture as a rising entrepreneur. Thank you so much for listening to On the Up and Up. I just want to start off this episode by basically just giving a shout out to all of our guests for our summer interview series. So for the last six, eight weeks, we've been publishing interviews and I've essentially been forcing my friends, um, entrepreneurs and founders, and just generally inspirational people to come on and teach all of us a thing or two, as well as to get to know them a little bit better. Because sometimes in entrepreneurship, we can lose our personal lives and lose ourselves. And one of my goals this year has been to find a way to blend those things together a little bit more. Uh, Being able to find a common ground with other women, other founders, Um, even men, I know crazy, um, in business has been such a joy and getting to have an opportunity to ask those deeper, darker questions and get such honest and I guess vulnerable moments from some of my peers has been so enlightening. So if you've enjoyed that summer interview series, please make sure and let me know. Um, We will be back to our regular scheduled HR education with short and sweet quick tip episodes within the next few weeks. We still have a couple more interviews, um, but we'll be mixing in. We'll continue mixing in interviews along the way um, so you can hear from our friends and clients and especially those that I think we can all walk away with some real value from, whether that be through connection or just feeling seen and heard and like we have other people out there going through the same things that that we are because if there's one thing I've learned in all my years of working just in general um, being an employee being an employer being a founder being a creative entrepreneur is that the number one thing that propels our business and also holds us back is ourselves and I think that it's really fun to interview people like Marin, like today, to really show us that. Um, she'll start out with a little bit about where she came from and what her origin story is, which is so inspirational and fun. And ironically, or not so ironically, we get to share a win that Marin had around the time of our recording um, this summer, which is when Hillary Duff was wearing some of... Marin's designs in a publication, a printed publication that we all know and love. So I'll let Marin tell that story and also what it's like to have those types of wins. So especially for you e-commerce businesses and products-based businesses, I think you'll find this story especially interesting. Um, Add in that layer of fashion and I mean, Hillary Duff of all people, that's so fun. And it just so happens to be recorded and published during the week of Hurricane Hillary. So I think that you'll appreciate that um, coincidence here. All of that is to say, I am so excited to share my friend Marin with you all. Make sure that you let me know how you like the episode. And we really would love if 
this podcast has served you in any way to leave some of those valuable tips and tricks in our in a five star review, especially on Apple. Um, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the interview with Marin Costello. But thank you so much for being here, Marin. I'm so excited to chat. I know a couple months ago we got to chat on your podcast, which I'll make sure and link in the notes so everybody can listen there. And that's when we first met, and it felt like I'd known you for my whole life. So I'm so excited to introduce you to our audience and just. You have such a unique perspective and there's so much creativity and passion behind what you do. And I'm just so excited to kind of like pick it apart a little bit. But I always start with every interview with tell us your like villain origin story. Like, where did you come from? How did you get here? Um, And then we'll just kind of like progress throughout the conversation into like how basically how you're spending your days now and how, you know, all the all the juicy stuff along with that. But tell us your origin story, Marin. I say I've heard them, whoever they are, say that every overnight success takes about 10 to 12 years. Mine takes about 20. Um, I've been in the game for about two decades. I started when I got a bead kit when I was seven years old from my sweet aunt Joanne, who was the matriarch of our family for as long as I can remember. And I got it and just became obsessed with the craft. And so that developed into a hobby and then a glorified hobby and then a quasi money-making business. I was still a kid when I started hawking my own merch. And then when I was in college, um, my pieces were featured on American Idol by my former dance teacher who also moved to Los Angeles and ended up being a celebrity wardrobe stylist. She put some of my pieces on TV and that kind of started the whole, wait a minute, is this a brand? Am I a fraud? You know, and all the questions started coming and things organically developed. And so a lot of times when people think I want to start a jewelry business, they, you know, have moments of conceptualizing and asking questions like, what is the white space in the market? What do I want my brand vision to be? What do I want my brand aesthetic to be? I, my story is quite different because I was already so engulfed in the craft as a hobby and then have kind of been playing catch up over the last two decades. So cut to present day, I moved the brand from Los Angeles to Tampa just over two years ago. And when I made that move, that's when I decided to make decisions as if I were creating a brand from scratch and reinventing the systems and reinventing um, basically every facet of the brand. I tr- there was not, there is not a single stone that was unturned. And we have been, and I say we because I do have a, an amazing team now, we have been developing the brand and refining the brand so meticulously over the last couple years um, that the brand essentially has had three three formal iterations in 2008 when my pieces were featured on American Idol 2018 after I had had a full career in event production I then went all in um, on my jewelry business but I was still doing everything myself and then in 2021 when I moved the brand from the west coast to the east coast that's the third iteration and really I feel like now two decades later over two decades later after having you know fallen in love with the with the craft of making jewelry I finally feel like I've arrived now (laughs) I mean, it's just, that is just so, I think the most inspiring part of that journey is that you feel like you arrived. And I know that that probably sounds really silly, but for a lot of us entrepreneurs that 
aren't quite as advanced as your brand or just the progress that you've made and the time that you've spent and like, you know, how you said the overnight success thing, like it's really 20 years in the making, like we just need to know that you can arrive somewhere, I think, at the end of the day. And it, we don't hear that a lot. Like, we hear that everything is sort of this evolving, like, always learning type of thing. But, like, will we ever be fulfilled fully? And I'm just – I know that there's still so much to learn and that you're dedicated to growing your brand. And there's so many new things that can come along the way. But there's something that is really – I don't, I've just really felt that in my heart. I'm like, there is hope for us. Cause especially during the hard times, you're like, I just want to feel like I got somewhere, you know? And especially as a creative, like when throughout this process, you've gone, you know, you kind of like built your own path. You built your own way to do things. You've always stayed true to who you are, it sounds like, but you've tried other things like event production and things like that. So have you always thought, like, I need to be out here creating something? Or were you like, I want to be a jewelry designer and I need to fill, figure out how to fill the gap until I get to where I'm at now, you know, kind of a thing? So there's a deep, deep, uncanny correlation between the work that I do on myself as a human, meaning the therapy and self-awareness and self-work, like the actual work, I would argue, that one does in this in this lifetime between that and my actual career as a jewelry designer. Um, I always looked at jewelry up until fairly recently, all things considered as a hobby, as a glorified hobby, as something that brought me joy. And so it's really interesting when there's this narrative of turn your passion into your profession. I say, do it, like go for it, live your life. However, understand that putting the responsibility of making a career out of something that purely gives you joy is going to ultimately rip some joy away from it. So make sure that you have other things in your life that bring you joy. Make sure that your entire identity isn't wrapped up in your work. My scenario is a little different because I have an eponymous brand. My brand is my name. I'm the face of the brand. Effectively, there has always been a magnifying glass over me and the brand without me really doing it. Like this is all, again, this is all organic. I feel like I didn't choose jewelry, jewelry chose me. And even during my path of self-discovery and when I really leaned into therapy to get to know myself, before that journey, I thought that jewelry could could be the problem, right? When I was having a quarter life crisis, I was like, I need to light everything on fire and blow everything up. Like I need to start anew all over again. And God was like, LOL, no, you won't. I'm going to continue putting opportunity after opportunity after opportunity under the guise of jewelry in front of you so that you see that this is the constant in your life and that you need to turn inward. So it's just been a huge blessing. And ultimately, once I surrendered, I really followed the signs to lean into the brand and, you know, celebrate myself as being the face of the brand, even though I, you know, I say I am the face of the brand, but it really has everything to do with everyone else except for me. Um, and uh, just following the signs and following, you know, the gut intuition that we were all blessed with and ultimately creating a community because this has been a really, really, really cool platform for us to one, make people feel amazing, and two, to connect with people and create true community. There's a lot of like 
there's a lot of chit chat about community. It's such a buzzword nowadays, but like, what does that actually mean? And quality relationship with longevity for me is that's where the money is. And I don't mean like physical money. I mean like actual life currency. So the Mm -hmm. people that we've been able to connect with yourself included, you know, all of these different facets of the brand have become vessels for us to communicate and connect with other people and ultimately celebrate them and make them feel good. Yeah, one thing that I really enjoyed about getting to know you and watching you from afar and also, you know, wearing your jewelry and all of the fun things that come along with all of with the relationship that we've built is that it just feels like so much deeper than all the other Instagram and Facebook ads that I get served once I click on your profile, (laughs) which is inevitable, I guess that's the algorithm, but it's, it really does feel like this is a piece of Marin and this is representing something that matters more than like, when I think about that piece of jewelry, it's not just that thing that I'm grabbing off of my nightstand that I got from Amazon. It's like, Ooh, today's a Marin earring day, you know, or, Ooh, I get to wear Like I'll build like a whole outfit around like my big hoops from Marin, you know, that kind of thing. And I've bought some jewelry as gifts for other people. And it's been so much fun to be like, Oh, my friend Marin like created this brand. It's very cool. Like, and they're so impressed and they love the quality. And it, you know, it's all of these great things that we love as like women that like to shop and like, you know, adorn ourselves in beautiful things. But it just feels like so much deeper than that, I guess, then. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you here is is not to like fully play into that whole community vibe. But there's something very communal about the environment that comes with being in your space. And I think that it's a direct reflection of who you are and your personality. Has it ever felt heavy to create that community around you or to carry your your customers, your people through with you? Or has it always felt great? I'll say that that's the easiest part of my job is celebrating other people and making them feel good. The most difficult part of of the brand has really just been my own personal self-development and figuring out who I am, developing my relationship with myself. The more that I work on myself and within myself, the better everything else is in my life. Um, I'll give you an example with community. We just got word that Hilary Duff is wearing our pieces in Shape magazine, um, both on the cover and in her big article. And the pieces that her stylists, who are dear friends with my publicist, who I live for, um, who is also brought to me by one of my best friends from college. So it's kind of all coming full circle. The two, two of the pieces of many that she chose to uh, wear in this feature were the J hoops and the Michaela hoops. The Michaela hoops are some of our best selling hoops. They're named after one of my best friends in my professional life. Um, and she was also a neighbor of mine, like a next door neighbor. We shared a wall for many, many years, Michaela. Um, and she's a dear friend and a beautiful muse of mine. And I, she's so, so damn chic. And I just live for her beyond. And then the other hoops, the J hoops were named after my sister. So that moment was not just about me. It's not just about, you know, my staff who lives for Hillary Duff. It's not just about the fact that I met my publicist through one of my best friends in, in college. It's also celebrating my sister and one of my best friends out of college, right? Like it's, this is about everyone. This is not just about my jewelry on Hillary Duff. This is so much more about the community and the why and also, it means it means just as much to them as it does to me. Like that's so cool for someone to 
say, oh my gosh, that piece was named after me. I either helped design it or was inspired, or Maren was inspired to design something after me. And now it's being beloved by one of our childhood favorite celebrities. Like, it's just so cool. It's just mm-hmm. such a cool platform to be able to connect people and love on people. That is quite, quite, that is quite literally the easiest part of my job is to celebrate other people through the brand. Oh, that's so cool. And I mean, obviously, Hillary Duff is like a millennial icon. Like, she's more than just a celebrity to us. You know? <laughs> So that's even cooler. But I know that you've had all these like huge big time features. You've been in Vogue and, you know, all over the place with a bunch of different retailers. It's an international brand. And so you've really, when it comes to achievement, it's been like check, check, check. But it feels like you're always really focused on not like getting ahead of a trend or, you know, anything like that. It always just feels like your jewelry has more of a meaning. And like now that was kind of leading into my next question, like, your muse, your creative, like, passion, like, how do you, when it comes to designing jewelry, like, do you literally just, like, as I'm dreaming this up, like, you have a glass of wine, and you're sitting on this beautiful patio in Florida, and you're, like, have a notebook that's probably made with, like, bamboo and sustainable materials with, like, a quill that you, like, dip, like, I'm just, like, imagining this, like, idyllic situation where you're, like, I'm gonna draw this necklace that's gonna be on Frickin' Vogue, you know, like what's the process like for us, like mere mortals, to like create these beautiful things that we see everywhere and people feel so connected to? Like, there's not HR doesn't get a lot of this juicy stuff, you know. I'm like, how do you do it? But like, what does it look like to have that creative process and to be so inspired? And like, how does it come to life? Oh my gosh, <laughs> a quill. I'm done. That is so funny. <laughs> Put a finger down if you haven't heard that that word in a couple decades. Um, <laughs> let me see. I mean, it just kind of comes from everywhere, right? People are like, what are you inspired by? I'm like living. It's the people that I meet. It's the things in my closet that I'm missing in my accessories wardrobe. It's my heirloom pieces from my grandmas and from my mom. It's what my sister bugs me to design year after year after year after year after year because it's things that she really, really wants. It's um, hmm. now having, you know, have now having had so many collections within the larger line, it's me looking at the line physically with my team going, where's the white space? What are the styles that we're missing? Um, amazingly enough, people ask, do I follow trends? Everything in fashion is cyclic, luckily. Um, I don't particularly follow trends. I really go with what I want to design. And when I say me, it's basically what is also the market telling me? I was just having this conversation with one of my consulting clients recently. And I was telling her if the brand was really just about the pieces that I wanted to wear, like only the designs that I wanted to wear, it would not look the same. So many of our pieces have to do with what our community tells us that they want what pieces are actually selling? How do we reiterate this bestseller and make it new and fresh, but still palatable to our customer that we know loves a two inch hoop? It's so much more conversational and thoughtful than just Marin dreamt it up, you know, in a dream. Maybe that's where the inception was, but I also don't have an ego attached to the designs. If we come out with something and it falls flat or it doesn't sell, we can it. It doesn't stay around. Like I don't, want to keep things 
in the collection that are purely based off of my ego because I like it. I want people to wear it. I want people to gift it. I want people to, you know, take it off their body and give it to someone else. I want people to think of the brand and go, oh, that's the thing that I want to wear the most um, and make them pe make people feel good. That's really what it comes down to. Um, that being said, we have, my team and I have worked really diligently to make sure that what, when we're coming out with collections, we're also looking at the mini families, we call them families, like sm the smaller capsules that we have to say, well, is there some someone missing from this family? Do we need to add another ring? Is there, you know, a stacking, a stackable moment that we're missing out on if we add one more piece to this family? Um, or can we just YOLO and have fun and come out with a bunch of nonsense that doesn't really have any cohesion aside from the fact that it's all cool stuff? So we have fun mm -hmm. with it. It's not trend-based. Um, you know, I'm a pretty pretty classic and traditional person when it comes to style. I really like classic pieces and classic brands when I'm out in the world shopping, especially from a luxury perspective. So I want to make pieces that people will have for a really, really, really long time. The quality, even though it's, you know, it's fashion jewelry, but it's the highest level of fashion jewelry that you can get before going into the fine world. And I want it people to keep, I want people to wear it year after year. I want people to, you know, hand it down to their, to their family members. I mean, it is made of that type of quality to where it will stand the test of time. But I also want to make sure that the designs that we come out with aren't too time sensitive so that people can enjoy them and will continue to love them year after year. Yeah, I love that. And there's just something really unique I think about jewelry from like you know the non-fashion person's perspective where it's like it's such a thoughtful purchase like we're not all just like especially once you start to realize like it's quality over quantity and so it's nice to have some pieces that are slightly more accessible than like walking waiting for somebody to buy it for you as a gift like walking into a jewelry store getting something custom made or something like that like we can still buy it for ourselves it can still be like that luxury piece that we put in our cart you know that kind of a thing and they make wonderful gifts they truly are great quality but it's also like it's a choice that we're making like it's not i mean i think it's a necessity but it's not so much of a necessity so you want to like i don't know you just like get ex more excited when you put it on versus like well, I have to do my makeup today, you know, I, oh, I have to wear clothes today, you know, like jewelry feels like a fun choice. And so I feel like there's something really unique about being a creative in a space where you are kind of putting all of these things out there, but then also you're showing up as an entrepreneur all the time. So there's like a real dichotomy between the strategy and the creativity. Um, can you talk a little bit about what that has looked like for you and being able to switch kind of code switch between I'm an entrepreneur and a business owner and a business woman. And, you know, I've been in the game and like, I'm a creative and I'm stepping into this, like maybe more feminine energy to like create things that bring people so much joy. Sure. Well, it's really interesting because I am a very feminine presenting female in that I love sparkly things. You know, I'm in red nail, I have red nails right now. I love a lipstick moment. Um, but when it comes to me as a person, I mean, I was born and raised in Northern California, right outside of San Francisco and moved to LA for college and stayed there for 14 years. That hardened me. So when we're talking about the duality of feminine all possess, my masculine is like so strong because I was 
you know, on my own, fighting my way through Los Angeles, dealing with a really tough city and all of the nonsense that exists in Hollywood and building the brand. And, you know, it's not like I had business partners or investors. Like, this is all built on my back. This is a labor of love. This is, you know, it was a one-man band for a really, really, really long time. So in my therapy journey and my self-awareness journey, I really had to learn to harness my feminine now that I'm in a position where the masculine and feminine talk to each other in a healthy in a healthy way internally for myself, now I'm able to even more effectively switch on and switch off, you know, what side I pull from depending upon what meeting I'm in, depending upon what time of the day it is, depending upon what time of the month it is, because I think it's really important for us as women to know our bodies and when we're, you know, on our cycles, et cetera. So now I'm able to do a little bit more of a dance with it all. Um, but again, I, I know a lot of people, some of my best friends are like true, true artists in that they pull from their creative side 100% of the time. And they're not really interested with the numbers or the business. And, and that's great. You know, if you know yourself, then amazing. You can hire people around you that know how to do all the other things. I happen to be in a position where I like to pull from both sides. I like arts and I like science and math. I like the creative aspect, I love the business aspect. So because I am in that position, it is just a matter of getting to know myself and knowing when to pull from both sides. Um, I also like to preface that by saying, this has been my labor of love for many, 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 many years. And I am a party of one. I don't have a significant other. I don't have a family. I, do, I mean, I have my own family. I have family members. I don't have my own family that came from my room. Um, but I, and I also don't have any pets. I don't even have a house plant. And that is, I, I know that I, my life has been curated thus far so that I've been able to pour all of my energy into this business. So I know that that is a very unique perspective because more people than not have other people in their life romantically, or they have families, you know, or, you know, they have other things going on. This really has been my everything for so long that being said i definitely know that i'm meant to be a mom i know i'm meant to be a partner um but that's i also like to preface that to also give a reality of this has been my experience and i come with this level of nuance and you know quote unquote wisdom because i've been able to commit to this and pretty much only this for the better part of my young adulthood yeah. And I love how you said that you've curated your life. Like this feels like there is a huge amount of intention, not only just in the way that you build your business, but also you step in and mentor others and you help others with cultivating their brands. And how has that intentionality for the way that you've decided to build your life kind of translated over to being multi-passionate and having different ways that you're able to reach people and, and what's motivated that? That's a great question. So what I will tell you is that, again, even though my brand is eponymous, the reason the brand is the way that it is is because I listen to the market. Our jewelry is non-tarnish. It's hypoallergenic. You can wear it in the water, all these things. These are all questions that were asked of me over and over and over and over. Does your product come in gold and in silver? Yes. Now, like what is your sustainability initiative? Everything that this brand has ultimately become has been because of the community, has been because the market told me what it needed and I followed, right? Like I 
put my ego aside and said, what does the market need? How can I serve the market? How can I serve my customer? Same thing with my consulting business. I wasn't set out, out to be like, I'm going to be a mentor and this and that. I also feel like those roles, those jobs are so much more valuable when they're asked of you first, rather than I'm going to set out to tell people what I think. Like that just doesn't really fly in my world. Um, so what would happen is as I was building my business on the fairly earlier on years, people would come up to me or they would message me and say, hey, can I take you for coffee? I have questions or, hey, do you have extra time? Can I give you my, my business proposal? Can I show you this, that and the other and get your feedback on it? So I knew there was a market for consulting. I knew that there was a market and ultimately another business and revenue avenue to help other people in the business world. And I think that what the reason why I am attracted to my current coaches and to my current mentors is because they've done the thing or a version of the thing that I'm either currently building or that I know I'm building in the future. I think that having my brand and doing that simultaneously with mentoring and with coaching and consulting is very attractive to people because I'm not just telling them what I think conceptually is going to work. I actually have experience in the realm um, or in a similar realm that they're working in. So really, that's why I have that facet of the business. And the third prong to the Marin Costello brand is the podcast. And that happened because I realized when I was helping my clients in consulting, I realized, wait a minute, we have NDAs that are signed. I can't share all this valuable information with my audience because that would be so inappropriate and breaking an NDA, then it's a legal issue. But how can I love on my audience Clearly, there are people out there who want to know about business and life and navigating things, whether it be professional or personal. So how can I love on the greater audience who might not be ready to work with someone like me yet, but are still in that audience? And the reason for the podcast was that it was basically an answer to how can I love on this greater entrepreneurial community and have conversations that are really effective and important and deep and ask questions that people don't want to ask. And maybe they're uncomfortable of asking, um, but maybe questions that sometimes I wish were asked of me because it's really the important stuff and it's the meat and potatoes of what goes on behind the scenes of building a brand, of being an entrepreneur, of just being a brilliant mind in today's day and age. Yeah. And I know that when, and again, I'll link the episode, but when we chatted initially on your podcast there, we talked so much about our mental health and you've kind of sprinkled in a few of those things along the way through how therapy has helped you and how it has lent itself to not only the entrepreneurial side, but also the creative side and like kind of learning to balance all of that with, I think there's, there's just such a, I'm not to say that therapy is having like a moment, but I think that therapy had a moment and both of us have done a lot of internal work on ourselves along the way and switching gears just a tiny bit. You are leading a team that is helping you to put your vision out into the world. And how do you think that therapy or that kind of mindfulness or self-awareness that comes from doing that work on yourself has affected the way that you are able to lead your team? The word that comes to mind is surrender. So when I surrendered to my own nonsense that I, you know, was dealing with, and I say nonsense cheekingly because it's not nonsense, but 
you know, ultimately the things that hold us back that are just narratives and belief systems that we've maybe held on to for a long time that really have no merit and have hold no weight. When I learned how to surrender to myself internally and ultimately to God, I was able to surrender in my business. And what that looked like going from 3D to 2D is, or 5D to 3D, I guess, is um, delegating to my team and trusting people around me to do certain things that I once had control over every aspect. You can't grow as a brand if it's just one person. You need people. We all need people in all aspects of our life. So what comes to mind for me is being able to understand myself surrender to what's going on, you know, with me spiritually, emotionally, internally, and reflect that in my business, which ultimately is delegating and trusting my team and hiring amazing talent and believing in the people that are around me. Cause my team is spectacular. Like I totally know that the, the narrative for so many people is, Oh my gosh, it's so hard to find good people. It's so hard to find good people. I'm like, that's not the narrative that I, that I believe in. I don't um, subscribe to that narrative. My team is spectacular. They're all freaking genius. And I'm actually, you and I spoke about this briefly, I'm going out of the country for the first time in a long time and I'm going to fully shut off my computer, which is the first time that I've ever done that in my professional career and in my scholastic career. I mean, I was a, a nerd, total nerd, like, <laughs> I mean, beyond straight A student. I mean, I was just a nerd. That was my that was my purpose. That was my life back then, right? This is the first time that I'm able to really give myself permission to shut off my work and lean into my personal development and into the quiet space and the peacefulness of vacation, so that I can fill my cup up. And I'm setting my team up for success and delegating nearly everything to them and I'm so excited for them because it ultimately gives them an opportunity to step up to the plate and to really take ownership of things and that's where the growth comes from that's where the magic comes from creating space within yourself and that's what I really feel like I'm finally able to do with my team that's amazing and I feel like there's a certain point that entrepreneurs don't always get to realize which is not just that that process of delegation isn't just like hire and delegate you know there are several steps in between that and to have that completely enveloped in trust I think is something that it no matter what business owner I talk to entrepreneur big business corporate HR leader you know CEO of a multi-billion dollar company like trust is something that is just constantly coming up and it's not something that we can control so as entrepreneurs or as even anyone in business that is in a place of, I guess, leading others, that trust is often overlooked because leadership and management seems like that it's this big, like, whip them into shape kind of thing, which we're actively trying to change that. But it's something that is one of the strongest things you can do. And I think for me, therapy has been a way for me to understand that the vulnerability that comes with trusting others is not a weakness and it's some it's a strength and being stronger in your own mental health and self-awareness gives you more capacity to trust which then creates so much more space for your team to really rise to the occasion and for you to create meaningful opportunities for them to step into their full like best versions of themselves and push them and i know it's so funny because we always you know want to say like well 
I work the hardest. I don't go on vacation. I deserve this success because I'm always there. But it's like the hardest thing to do is to trust someone else. And to do that in business is even harder because there's so much writing on it. Like we have to be able to step away. And I think that shows like a true measure of a leader is that that strength and that leadership there. So you're doing such a great job. Uh (laughs) At this stage in my life and in my career, it gives me more peace to delegate and to trust my team. Before, I think it would... You know, I would think I would have that belief system, that narrative of like, oh, no one can get it done the way that I can do it. I'm like, no, my team is brilliant. They do most things better than I do. And it's really important for me to harness their skill sets and to, you know, support them and create an environment where they can really be geniuses in their departments. And I'm really excited to do this little experiment called relaxing i guess i guess that's what the people call it. i don't know Vac- vacating what do the people call it that ver- i'm gonna, i'm excited to do that <laughs> yeah that'll be really fun to see i can't wait to hear how it turns i'm sure it's just going to be amazing and i think one of the things that we talk about a lot in managing and in leading other people is that the beauty isn't in the tasks it's in the white space so like being able to have people on your team that you know we're going to fill that white space with things that you didn't give them like there's going to be i think there's going to be lots of light bulbs coming up and also creating that space for yourself as a creative as a person that shows up for others all the time you really do have to fill that need and like the last thing we need is a bunch of like multi-billion dollar CEOs like flying a dick rocket into the air again and calling it a vacation. <laughs> like we're talking about like real inspirational, fulfilling moments that we have to embrace and deserve in order to really be there for other people and to to scale our businesses and our brands. Did you have any fear when it came the time for you to start to delegate or hire? And what are some things that I guess there's a lot of fear and and I mean, fear is the best word for it, but what are some things that you learned, I guess, in that in those early stages of figuring out how to do this and how to lead and, and how did you get past them? So I wouldn't necessarily advise this for everyone, but I can tell you how I make decisions. And this also goes back to, you know, how spiritually connected and inclined I am. I look for the signs. I ask myself, you know, how do I feel about this? I'm constantly taking inventory of How did this person make me feel? How did this food make me feel after I ate it? How did this restaurant make me feel when I went there? I'm constantly taking inventory of what feels good and what doesn't so that I know what my intuition actually is telling me when it's telling me. I'll give an example of, we just got another office space in our office building. Did I need one? Sure. Did I have the budget for it? I didn't set it aside, but I knew that it was the right thing to do because by the time my business or by the time you know certain things caught up with where i needed it to be that space would have been gobbled up and then we would have need that to expand cut two we've had this office space this additional office space we now have four offices we now have this additional office space which has become my office space so now i officially have my own door which is like big leagues i can't even believe it's here um but the decisions and the clarity and the moves that have been made in this room alone in the last two weeks it's paid for itself in the last and you know, for the next year. So I don't really go with, well, what's just on the PNL? What's just on paper? Because as an entrepreneur, when you're, you know, seeing into the future, as we most always are, you know, looking ahead and creating goals and growing and growing and, and thinking big, you know, outside of the box, 
you're not going to see your answers in what you've done in the past. Your answers are going to be in the future. So that's how I learn how to delegate. Like when I'm reaching my capacity, I'm like, all right, it's too much. Like time to hire someone. Or when someone says, Hey, I have this really good person. Are you hiring? I'm like, well, I'm not, I'm not hiring, but I'm not, not hiring. So let's meet. And that's honestly how it's kind of developed with the brand. And now we're a team of nine and it happened organically. And so whether you want to say that, you know, it's fate or it's luck or, you know, it's God's timing, I listen to all of those things and I lean into things when they feel right and they feel good. And if they don't work out, then they don't work out. And I don't kill myself over it. Right. Like even with my team, I'm like, we are not in the in the business of being passive and you know, focusing so much on what went wrong, like, let's fix it and move on. Like, we don't, we don't spend time on like the nonsense of what could have been like, this is what we have in front of us. Where do we want to go? Let's go in that direction. Yeah, I love that. And I think that there's a big kind of, especially for, I want to say small business, but just the government or whoever decides small business is less than you know, 50 to 100 people, like who knows, medium sized businesses are 500 to 1000 people. But there used to be a correlation between how many people are working for you and how much your revenue is, and then how much impact you can make. But that's not the case, especially in product based businesses. So when it comes to those decisions, I love how you're able to like, lean into your gut. But when you're building your company culture, how do you create or what are some of the intentional things that you do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis when you're bringing people into your circle to make sure that your culture stays true to what you've built and who you are as you've been growing? We change things all the time, right? So I knew with my team before we've onboarded four people in the last two weeks. So when we were a team of five, just two weeks ago, I knew that my team members, two of them specifically were reaching their capacity and they were about to burst and they needed, they needed to offload a lot of work that really wasn't in their zone of genius, but that they happened to absorb um, soon because they were going to burn out. Maybe not in the next like six months, but I could see it. Like my maternal instinct kicked in and I was like, I don't like where this is going. This is too much. This is not what they need to be doing. I can hire someone else. So we brought on more people. Also, as our team has expanded, we have some people locally, we have some people remotely, and I'm like, well, we all need to connect. So what does that look like? So every Monday morning or Monday afternoon, rather, on the East Coast, we get on a team call. And the first thing we do on the call every week is we talk about our wins from the week prior. So it not only gives us an opportunity to reflect on the previous week and really celebrate each other, but also look into the week ahead and say, what are we looking forward to now? How are we going to build off of that momentum and so it's really important for us to, as a team, to connect and make sure that um, the decisions that are being made are very communal and that, you know, ultimately the people on my team care about the decisions that are being made and that I'm ultimately listening to them too. Because if I'm going to trust them with my business and what's happening, I need to also trust them with some of the decisions that are made. Again, this is a very community-driven brand. And ultimately, do I have final say? Sure. But I do take what my staff t you know, has to say into account most always and sometimes heavier than my own opinion because I know that it's coming from a place of them caring. Um, that also has a huge part of – it's a huge part of coming onto the team um, – as far as how they get along with the other folks on the team. So 
when we bring someone new on, they'll interview with people in their department, people not in their department. We'll usually have some sort of a trial period to see if it works well, because if it doesn't, then that's okay. Um, but also protecting what we have as a company and as a community and as like a quote unquote work family, that's really important to me too. So it also is very intentional with when I bring people on because of when we need the help, but also who I bring on based on do they fit in? Are they going to mesh well with the expansion of the team um, and of the brand and where we're going? Because the last thing that I want to do is bring in a bad egg who's super qualified, but that completely kills the, the morale with my staff because everyone is, like I said, really spectacular. So it is, you know, I do think that it is such a strength to be a woman in business because we just have that, that maternal intuition, that maternal, you know, guide that we have to just love on everyone around us. And I really feel like that is my superpower now as someone who has their masculine and feminine talking to each other properly and healthily. Um, I really do feel like loving on my team and making sure that they're making sure that they're taken care of, but also making sure that I'm guiding them and that I'm pushing them. Like I do, I have high standards of excellence for pretty much everyone around me. Um, and so for me to be able to, you know, encourage people around me and my team specifically to rise to the occasion, but also trust in them that they're going to do amazing things because I pass the baton to them more often than not. Those are really important for me. Yeah, I know. That's like, it's something that a lot of people would take for granted, I think, in a boss. And so it's just having someone that like truly genuinely cares about you and also take the time to take care of ourselves as leaders so that we can truly be there for our team. That's a different way of managing than we've all been taught. So in previous parts of your career, have you ever, I know most of it has been entrepreneurial, but have you reported to others or been an employee in other businesses or had other bosses that have impacted you? We like the negative stories and the positive stories um, and how that has shaped you into how you show up as a boss. Yeah. And I've been working since as early as I could possibly remember. I mean, I was babysitting before I think working was even legal when I was younger. Um, I worked at a pro <laughs> shop. Um, gosh, what else did I do? I worked, I did so many things in high school. I had every job you could possibly imagine. Um, and then when I was in college, I worked for a museum. I was part of the development department. So I was able to see inside to fundraising and event production from a, um, from a museum standpoint. Um, and that's a really cool machine to get eyes into. And then from there, I was um, referred to an event production company, which was, you know, a really cool dovetail coming from the development department in museums because they are very closely related. Because when you're in a museum, you're producing galas and big events and fundraisers. So to go from that to fashion-based events was really cool. But I will say that both environments were very political. There were a lot of personalities, a lot of hear something from someone in front of your face and then things being said behind your back. And I knew that, I mean, that's just like the doggy dog world of traditional fashion environments, especially in Los Angeles, right? Like this is all in LA proper that this is happening. 
Um, and so, and with a lot of money involved, which, you know, also brings in a lot of different types of personalities um, and egos of sorts. So I knew as my business was growing and as I was, when I finally leaned into the fact that I was actually creating a brand and creating a company and finally leaned in <laughs> and went all in with it, I knew that that's not the environment that I wanted to continue on. And I likened it to um, family trauma, childhood trauma, generational trauma. Because of my work in therapy, I knew, okay, in generational trauma, I know that I have the power to heal certain things so that I'm not passing certain characteristics or patterns or belief systems to my children, to my significant other. I don't have to live out, just because I have experienced something in my childhood doesn't mean that I have to live it out again in my adulthood. I kind of saw that and shifted that narrative and brought it into my work and said, I know that I don't want to create a passive, unhealthy, political, icky environment. So now what we have been told over and over again um, by both our current and our past employees is that this is a very kind but very direct environment. I will not say something to your face and say something else behind your back. I'm going to give you the gift of communication and know that this is all for the betterment of the brand, for the company, for the North Star of us all crushing. Um, I'm, not men I'm not meaning to hurt your feelings, but me telling you, you know, in a frank but still kind way, what's actually going on is a bigger gift than me letting something muster and then getting upset over something random, you know, later that doesn't make any sense or me saying something to your face and then actually saying something else behind your back. That to me is not cool. So that's what I learned what not to do based on my younger career in both development and event production. And I'm really grateful for those times, right? Like I'm super grateful that I didn't buy into that culture. I'm super grateful that I got to experience it. Um, I learned what not to do because of that experience. And that's not to say that the majority of my experience in those environments wasn't positive. It was, don't get me wrong. I love yeah. so many people and I'm still so connected to so many people in those environments, but it is a true, you know, it is a reality um, that some of those moments weren't as um, cheerful as they maybe could have been to experience, especially as someone super young in their career. Yeah, I know it, it really does shape us like those initial instances we have because it shows us like, oh, this is what it's like to have a boss. This is what it's like to have a leader versus a manager versus like somebody just throwing something at the wall. And, you know, you really get to indicate what that all looks like. So before we kind of start to wrap up, which I literally can't believe we're already here, but that is what we do, Marin. Um, I want to know what has been like your biggest like win, like on the entrepreneur side where you like went to bed one night, woke up the next morning, got this amazing news and you were like, I can't believe that we're here. Like what was like that moment for you? And like, how, how did that affect your confidence? And do you often look back on it as like, that was so killer. I am got to keep going to get more of those. There's so many of those moments. I feel so lucky and blessed. And again, this has been a long road. Like this is effectively has been like a 20 year overnight success, right? What I think was a really amazing moment for me recently that is very fresh in my mind is that earlier on this year, we had a five page spread in Tampa Bay Magazine that also coincided with our newest collection launch called Chateau. And it also dovetailed into so many different 
events locally that wherein I was able to see people who are movers and shakers in the Tampa community specifically, who recognize me, who recognize the brand, where I'm seeing my brand out in the wild. I've only been in Tampa for two and a half years, but I kind of felt like it was my, one of my arrival moments of like, wow, this brand is really impacting people and people aren't just buying it because they're appeasing me. They're buying it even, not even from us, from our retailers, from, you know, other folks that sell our stuff, not just from me directly, you know, they'll see my staff at other events. It really was this community all encompassing everything coming together moment of this brand is doing something really cool. And this is really unique in the space. And this isn't just a jewelry brand and we are creating community and people give a shit. And they really care, not just because they care about me or they have a good relationship with me or one of my team members or they like a piece of content that we posted, but they like the product, right? I went to dinner the other night with, I want to say, 11 people, nine of whom were women, and every single one of them was wearing a piece from the collection, at least one piece. Many of them had three, four, five, six pieces. And I was just like, this is so amazing. This is so amazing that these people are my friends, they're my chosen family, some of them my actual family who I'm related to, but that they genuinely love the brand and we are making people feel amazing and it's all coming full circle. There really isn't a day that I leave either my home or my office and go out into the wild in Tampa and don't see at least one person with our stuff on. It's just, it's such a cool, it's such a cool experience to know that what we're doing is is making people feel good and people are choosing out of all out of the vast space that is the jewelry industry people are choosing to wear this product and they love it i mean the testimonials that i get from people are unbelievable and people often who don't even know that i'm the designer i'll be like oh my gosh is that america still mm-hmm. yes oh i love it da, da, da. like I'm like, oh, can I film you? And then when I post it, they go, oh my God. So it's just, I feel like that was kind of a moment of like, wow, it's all coming together. Like all of those moments and all of those late nights and all of those, what the hell am I doing moments and all of the years where I'm like, should I really be in this industry? It, even though we've been in Vogue, it's an international brand. I was in LA for 14 years, even though there's been like big, right? Like Hillary Jeff was just in shape, huge moment. But it's really that community aspect that I really felt locally of all these things coming to fruition at one time that really made me feel like this is a cool brand. We're doing some really cool stuff. I love that. I mean, I kind of got chills just thinking about it because, I mean, we're always in an an evolving state, but especially where I'm at right now with my business is that we really do find the most joy in just like our own backyards and like looking up and like experiencing it in the world is so powerful. And I'm sure as a, as a product-based brand and as a, as a business that primarily serves people, not always in person, it probably feels so good to have something right in front of you that is like showing you that you're moving in the right direction. That is so awesome. I'll give you- I just, oh, go ahead. I'll give you one more example. I've been pitching to this local store who is, is an amazing, beautifully curated store. And it's a woman who um, made huge waves in New York. Um, in the fashion industry and she has a store locally 
And I had kind of been, you know, wanting to get into her store, pitching to her here and there. Um, and then two years later, she came to me and said, I, I'd like to look at your line. And when I went to meet her, she goes, you know, just FYI, jewelry is not really one of our strongest categories. It doesn't really move that often, you know, what have you. And I, in my mind, I, I thought, that's because you haven't carried our line yet. She called me the next week and said, both of our locations are sold out. We need a replenishment. So that was also a cool moment, again, locally, but a really cool moment of being like, this is a cool brand and I know my shit and it's sellable and it, I don't have to be next to the brand to sell it. Like people actually genuinely like it and they're drawn to it. And I like to call it the little black dress of jewelry brands. I also say often that this is a foolproof jewelry brand. Like it's, it's bulletproof. I'm really, really, really proud of it. But that's a 20 year journey of me finally being like, yeah, this is some cool stuff. So just to allow people to give themselves grace and be patient and, and know that the journey is long, it's beautiful, and it's heart-wrenching, and it's the best, and it's the worst, and it's everything in between, but it's a long one if you do choose to be in the entrepreneurship game for the long haul. It's, um, it's kind of wild to know that now, two, almost two decades in, uh, or a little over two decades in, I'm finally feeling that, that moment for myself. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm sure there was so many little ones along the way, but it's just, I think it's really reassuring to so many entrepreneurs that like, yeah, it looks like it's this big, like, oh, Baron just kind of like popped up overnight. But like, it's been in the, we've been in the game for a while. Like you've been out there putting it out there. You've been showing up for yourself. You've been developing yourself, building your team, like all of these little tiny seemingly pieces that are coming together have contributed to this overall success and this feeling that you like you said in, in earlier in the podcast like you're you've arrived you know so i'm so excited to know you and i'm so excited for everyone to hear this episode but in the meantime and we'll include all the links in the show notes but where can everyone find you buy from you reach out to you say hello to you all of that good stuff Sure. So we have three social media accounts. My personal is Marin Costello, two R's, two L's. The jewelry is Marin Costello Jewelry. The podcast is Marin Costello Radio. Our website uh, for jewelry is shopmarincostello.com. And you can also go to marincostello.com and find all the information. So honestly, Google will help you if you misspell my name. It's no problem. There's only one of me <laughs> out there. Um, so there's really nowhere that you can't find us. Truly, there is only one of you out there. I can attest to that. But thank you so much, Marin. This was so awesome. I just can't wait to share with, with the audience. So thank you again for being here. If you're listening to this, you've stuck with me for this entire episode. And for that, I say thank you. I hope you found as much value in this week's topic as I do. If so, be sure to follow, rate, and review on the Up and Up podcast. You'll be helping others find the fun in HR too. Follow us on social media and join us next Wednesday for your weekly dose of On the Up and Up. <laughs>